Hello and welcome, bonjour et bienvenue, this is the Community Trail Running Podcast, I'm your host Adam Lee, thank you for joining me once again, so many podcasts out there and I so appreciate you spending a little bit of your time with me. It's episode 62. Today we've got filmmaker and Moab 240 second place finisher Jeff Peltier on the podcast. Excited to have him on again. And that makes back-to-back weeks with Moab 240 finishers. Jeff's interview is great. An awesome follow-up to Coco's from last week. And we'll get to that after our little bit of housekeeping. Next Monday, we're going to be back again from one friend of the show to another. We have Havelina 100, 100K, second place finisher, Janelle Hazlett on the cast. It's another awesome one. And that makes me excited for next week already. And I'm pushing hard to hit 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I'm hoping you can help me out with that. Head over to communitytrailrunning.com and subscribe if you haven't already. So grateful for the amazing support I've gotten around here, and I love growing this thing with all of you. Thank you for for helping me along the way. The sense of community around here is so fun, and it continues to grow. That's because of all of you. And keep your eyes peeled. Friday, December 1st, we're going to have big news, a special episode coming out then as well. So lots to look forward to around here, including today, of course, with Jeff. Let's go. Today's guest is Moab 240 second place finisher Jeff Peltier. Jeff is also an incredibly talented trail running media creator. We've had him on the cast before, but today I'm really excited to chat about that incredible recent race. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Happy to be here. I'm excited to get into it, so let's do that. Can you, before we talk about your race specifically, can you just tell us a little bit about Moab? Sure. Well, um, the Moab 240 is a 240 mile race put on by uh, Destination Trail. Uh, it's part of a series of, of 200 plus mile races. There's Tahoe, Bigfoot, Moab, and I believe the fourth one that they're working on in Arizona somewhere uh, soon to be announced, hopefully. Okay. Um, and uh, these races are they're single stage, but they're multi day. So they, you know, runners can sleep um, if and when you want to. Usually it ends up being just a few naps here and there, sometimes on the trail. Um mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's really just about kind of relentless forward progress. It's like a hundred mile race on steroids. Yeah. 240 miles is a, like a hard number to get my head around, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, how? So how, how, like, give us some insight of how you're approaching it going into it then. Yeah. I mean, I, um, uh, I go into these races. I've done a couple of these in the past and I go in with a pretty good plan as far as a, a time target. In fact, I was within an hour of my time target on this Amazing. one. I, um, I go in with a sleep plan and I pretty much nailed that as well within about 15 minutes of my total planned sleep. Um, and, and, a and a real nutrition strategy as well. So I go into these with the, with the real plan, but for other people, these races are a bit more of an, an adventure. You don't know what you're going to get, especially in your first one. Uh, it really is, you know, your first one or two of these races. It's really about, can I finish? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a brand new distance for a lot of people and it is daunting. It's hard to wrap your head around it. Uh, this race had 115 hour cutoff time and, uh, that's, you know, that's, you're getting into the four or five day uh, territory with some of these races. Some of the other ones like Tour de Jean in the Italian Alps, which was my first 200 miler, that has 150 hour cutoff time. So you're out there for close to a week. Uh, so it really is an adventure. It's an adventure run more so than a race for a lot of people. 
And uh, you really do need to think about it in that way in that um, you're going to have a lot of a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and you're going to have to troubleshoot a lot of issues along the way. And so you have experience with the distance before, but this is your first time doing this particular race. This is my first time doing this race or any 200 miler in North America. And they're very different than the European 200 milers where they tend to be, or at least the ones that I've done that I, that I gravitate towards in the Alps tend to have a lot of elevation change. So a lot of climbing, it's a lot of hiking. And uh, that's why the, the race uh, cutoff times are usually a little bit longer as well, a little bit more, more generous. Whereas in the States, and I should say now in North America, because we do have a 200 here in Canada now as well called the Divide 200, uh, these ones tend to be a little bit quicker, a little bit more runnable, a little less elevation change, and therefore the cutoff times are a little bit shorter, and they tend to be a little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit more of a running race than a hiking race. And... To go, you know, to put your plan uh, down before you get there and to actually put it in action is two different things. Maybe if you don't mind, kind of take us yeah. through the weekend and, and what that plan was and how you managed to stay on course. Yeah, well, I mean, I I went down, uh, my girlfriend Audrey and I basically moved to Moab for the month and we were living out of a, a, a camper truck um, and uh, that was just incredible. So we were down there about two and a half, three weeks early and uh, it allowed me to finish my training in the Moab area. Uh, Moab being in central Utah, and um, just to acclimate to the drier climate, to get a feel for the terrain, and to do a little bit of heat training. Um, in the end, the, the the race actually wasn't that hot. It was it was fairly moderate conditions, uh, sort of like a a summer day in Vancouver, as opposed to mm -hmm. uh, you know a really really hot day. And of course, it does get cold at night as well. So we had all types of weather. Um, but yeah, I was down there for a few weeks early. And that was part of my strategy for this one. It was to try to try to eliminate all the variables. Uh, the name of the game at these really long races is to control what you can control because there are so many things that you can't. So you've got to have, I think, a good command of of the, the basics, the simple stuff, foot care, nutrition, pacing. These are basic things that you learn, hopefully, over years of races in the 50k 50 mile 100k 100 mile distance and having done a half dozen hundred milers myself i've kind of i've encountered a lot of those issues and i know how to deal with them and then with the 200 mile races you learn about the next kind of set of strategy of strategies things like a sleep plan and and how to eat you know what to eat after two three days on feet and so it's all about, you know, kind of having a good plan, eliminating all the variables, controlling what you can. And part of that for me was going down there a couple of weeks early. We had an excellent crew vehicle as well, the same camper truck to use during the race. And so again, it was about iterating and getting really good at crewing. Um, Audrey was my crew chief. I had a couple of pacers and uh, just having everything dialed in. And that's kind of how I went into the race was uh, having a dialed in plan and trying to control what I could. And, and in the end, we executed really well on that. Well, congratulations, obviously. I mean, that's it was a second place finish. It sounds like more importantly than that, though, you stuck to what you wanted to do. I ran my own race, and that was ultimately what my plan was all about. It was about having my own plan, running my own race, and letting the cards fall where they may, letting other runners, you know, hope, you know, if they have maybe not quite a great day, then they they tend to fall back. And that's exactly what happened. So I, I was in sort of 10th place for most of the race, chipped my way up to about five, fourth place by around maybe um, hundred miles. And then with about 70 miles to go, I all of a sudden passed third and 
uh, fourth and second uh, and third place. It made my way to second place. In fact, one of those two guys dropped around that point. And so all of a sudden I found myself in second place and I was chasing Jesse Haynes, who ended up finishing in first. And I was chasing him for the last basically 70 miles. Um, I narrowed that gap from 45 minutes to um, to about 25 minutes at the second to last aid station with about 40 miles to go. And then I managed to narrow that gap further from 25 minutes to five and a half minutes at the end of running for close to 71 hours. So a little bit of a heartbreaking thing at the end where I couldn't quite narrow that gap, but I, I couldn't be happier with second place uh, uh, given what my expectations were going into the race. You just needed a few more miles, apparently. I needed a few more miles. I needed three, four miles. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I'll run the Cocodona 250. That's that extra 10 miles I would have needed. <laughs> That'll be the wheelhouse. Was it, was it harder to stay within yourself when you started to chase the leader? No, because it was so late in the race. I mean, I see these races as, as crazy as this might sound. The first hundred miles are just a warm up. Right, it, you're you're sort of discovering how your body is feeling on the day. You're sort of you know, okay, how how are my legs? Did, my, did I rest enough? How's my taper? Getting a feel for you know how 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 are, is your body going to allow you to perform? Uh, it's hard to force it, you know, and um, just really settling into a rhythm. And then the second sort of hundred miles is where you can start to lay it on thicker. And that's where other people maybe start to get blisters or start to, you know, have, have problems that crop up. And then in this race being a 240 miler, that last 40 miles is in this case where we really were racing and the final 12 miles really were a sprint. Um, so it's, you know, I think when I got to that sort of 200 mile mark, um, I, I, there was a, a 20 mile section there that was basically just dirt road. And then the final 20 miles, we were back on some fairly technical trail, but I had run that section before in my training. It was mostly downhill, quite technical, but I knew my lines. I knew exactly, you know, I, I could visualize that entire, entire final 20 mile stretch. So I knew when I got there that I'd be almost home free. Um, and that, that's where I think I was able to make up some time. I was so confident with that final stretch. And uh, again, I wasn't able to quite close the gap, but that final 20 miles was probably the most fun I've ever had in a race. I just awesome. had a smile on my face because I knew that even if I didn't catch first, second place was an incredible finish for me. And I had a huge gap, three hours at that point on third place. Wow. So I was just enjoying it for whatever the result was going to be. And I just, I want to take you back a little bit because you, you made the comment of your food changing day one, day two to day three, um, mm -hmm. which I've not run that long. So I never even thought about that. Is there, is there a progression that you take that feels natural for you or, or do you feel it out a little bit during the run or is it strict plan? This is what I'm doing here, here and here. I try to eat uh, solid food, real food early on where I can, but of course there's a mix of, of run nutrition of, of simple sugars, carbohydrates, um, things like, um, I was using NAC products, a drink mix, uh, their ultra energy drink mix, um, bars, waffles, that kind of thing. But I know that I tend to get kind of, kind of tired of that stuff after a couple of days, sugar can be hard to, to, you know, not just digest, but, um, even your mouth gets a little bit. Uh, I don't know, kind of chewed up a little bit from all that sugar. And so I try not to overdo it with the sugar early on. I try to pace myself that way. And inversely, I also try to get in some, some real food early on. Uh, the aid stations at Moab are great. They have breakfast burritos. They have grilled cheese sandwiches, burgers. I had a couple of burgers later on in the race as well. Um, and then, of course, I had the benefit of having a crew with a, you know, with a good vehicle, with a fridge. So Audrey was feeding me sushi and pasta nice. um, and some other things that I knew I, I might crave. But part of this is, is having variety is good as well because you just don't know what you're going to crave 
and more importantly, what you're not going to be able to stomach later in a race. And um, again, a difference with some of the European races is they often don't have the variety at the aid stations that we expect or that we've come to expect at some of the North American races. And so they might have, say, pasta, and that's it at every aid station. And after a couple of days of pasta, I love pasta. And even I got sick of pasta after a couple of days. So variety is important, but there's almost this... Um, a uh, strategy that I've adopted of pacing myself with certain foods to make sure I don't get sick of them. And uh, run nutrition was one of those things, making sure I didn't overdo the sugar in the first half of the race to make sure I could use it in the second half when maybe it was a little bit difficult to, to be eating solid foods. And clearly this comes from all the experience that you have previously going into that run. It, was there any lessons during Moab that you're, that you're going to take forward? One of the lessons that I learned was around um, expectations and goal setting. So I had, like I said, my strategy going in was to run my own race. And I came so close on this one to a first place finish. And I realized, had I only laid it on a little bit sooner, and maybe more importantly, had I had a plan for what might happen if I found myself in second place gunning for that first place position, which I didn't have. And so I think when I was in that position, I was still enjoying myself and filming, of course. I always document my my races and uh, maybe spending a little, little bit too much time at the uh, at the aid stations as well, um, which I planned to do. I, again, I had this plan. I was doing foot baths, for example, taking care of my feet. I had not a single blister after 240 miles. Wow. And I think the reason for that was because I took meticulous care of my feet. I washed my feet every 50 miles, re-lubed, changed my socks. But having said that, I could have easily found five, 10, even 15 minutes um, of time. And part of that might've been a, being a little bit more aggressive um, in the back half of the race when it came to the aid stations and things like that. Maybe even cutting back on, on my sleep time a little bit, adjusting to the way the race was playing out. And so for me, that was a, that was a lesson. I think I'm at the point now in my writing career where I can start to lay it on the line a little bit more, take some chances. Um, I don't need to finish every race, for example, you know, I maybe can put it, lay it on the line and, and risk a DNF. Um, but with the potential upside of, of really, really doing my best and, and leaving it all out there. So I think if I was to do this one again, I would probably be a little bit more aggressive in my pacing strategy. Uh, but, uh, you know, these are the things that we, we learn with, with, with each race. Yeah. yeah you, there's no doubt that you can do the distance. So now you can kind of change that focus a little bit and push it if you want. <laughs> That's just it. I mean, my, my goal time was 72 hours. That was my A goal. My B goal was closer to 80. And I finished in um, in under uh, 71. So in 70 hours and 53. So I had an hour to spare. And I wonder, had I set a time goal of 70 hours, might I have run 69? I mean, who knows, right? So uh, yeah. So again, I think for me, uh, my, the lesson for me was that I can set more aggressive goals and take some chances. And are you planning to take that that mindset into any runs coming up? I think I will. I, um, I I think my passion for racing has been rejuvenated. I've been gravitating more towards adventure runs, and um, you know, racing, especially when you can really compete, uh, is is of course rewarding in its own way. And I think I've also uh, rejuvenated my passion for these longer, these two hundred plus mile races. So I'm definitely considering one for 2024, if not maybe 2025 for sure. Something in the 200 to 250 mile distance. That's so awesome. We can't wait to follow along. If people don't know where they can follow you along, where can they do that? Well, definitely follow my YouTube channel because I've got a film that I am 
working on. It's going to hopefully be ready early in the new year from the race from Moab 240. Um, I worked with my good friend, Derek Lytle, who's an amazing cinematographer, and we captured some incredible footage. He's got drone footage of me running down the road and and some, some really beautiful footage. So that film's going to be out in January. And of course, I've got a bunch of other uh, adventures and races that uh, I'll be publishing in the next few months as well. So uh, look me up on YouTube, Jeff Peltier, and follow me on Instagram as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. A huge thank you to Jeff Pelletier. A huge thank you to all of you listening. Shout out to race volunteers everywhere, like all of those at Moab. And until next time, I'm Adam Lee, and this is Community Trail Running.